It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the first edition of Power to the Pod in the 2021 offseason. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Director of Scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com, Managing Editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and your captain, co-captain, I should say, on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Dolphins, because all of you are in the captain's chair. It is Power to the Pod, which means it's your questions, your topics, everything and anything pertaining to the Miami Dolphins, and sometimes not the Miami Dolphins, uh, but the first time we are doing Power to the Pod this off season, uh, so I already know you guys are chomping at the bit. You you have brought quite a bit of questions to the table, but before we do get there, I do think there's some uh, interesting discussion points to tackle right off the bat. The first one being that we found out yesterday that the Dolphins uh, are not eligible to coach the 2021 Senior Bowl, courtesy of Jim Nagy. I wrote this story for USA Today's Dolphins Wire yesterday. Uh, asking, you know, Dolphins may have another big opportunity this offseason. We shouldn't sleep on it. Uh, and it was rooted off of Jim Nagy having m- musings three days before Christmas, uh, December 22nd at 8 a.m. He says, NFL model is designed to create parity and using draft order is one way is using draft order to select coaching staffs for senior bowl is one way it helps losing franchises gain advantages. Lists the draft order, lists the Dolphins at number six in that draft order. One requirement for each participating team will have a full staff in place prior to coming to Mobile, which usually eliminates any team that fires its head coach, etc., etc. Multiple teams have already expressed interest in coaching in the 2021 game. Next two weeks will be pivotal. So, seeing that, seeing the Dolphins rank sixth, Reading what Jim had to say, uh, pretty much the root of the story was, you know, it would appear as though, based on Jim Nagy's musings, that the Dolphins, with the number three overall pick, with two teams that fired their head coaches in front, uh, would be in the driver's seat. And um, somebody read the, the story and went hog wild with it. It was like, the Dolphins are coaching in the Senior Bowl. And Jim Nagy <laughs> quote tweeted him and said, uh, no, that's false. The Dolphins are actually 18th. So... That's one bit of uh, development as far as the Dolphins offseason that we have found out is the Dolphins will not be in position to coach at the Senior Bowl, which is unfortunate when you consider the NFL draft capital that they have and how that extra week and working hands-on with those players would be extremely valuable. But it is what it is. Uh, they, they still are going to have the opportunity to be in Mobile and, and get to know these players, just not in a hands-on practice setting. The other thing that we, of course, have to talk about is uh, the Gailey Gate yesterday. Uh, ESPN appeared to have gotten duped by a fake Adam Schefter account sending out a tweet from uh, uh, the Twitter account was actually at Tua Needs Help that uh, the Dolphins had fired Chan Gailey, offensive coordinator. ESPN saw it, fake Schefter account, 
effectively, it appears as though this that's where this came from, writes the story and it publishes. Uh, report Adam Schefter, Changeli fired by Dolphins. Well, tweet was deleted. Um, the story was deleted. ESPN recanted their story. This evaluation process is probably going to take a couple days um, before the Dolphins do make any changes to their staff. And I would just offer a little bit of word of caution and pump the brakes. And, and I know we saw a lot of celebration yesterday. You would have thought we were at the uh, Return of the Jedi at the end of the movie when we're with the Ewoks on Endor and we're all celebrating and the big party and hooting and hollering. Uh, kind of like we all felt when Tom Brady left last, last offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if Chan Gailey is back, to be completely honest with you, because I think, and I do think if you look at the entirety of the Dolphins and their issues offensively and the inconsistencies and uh, the frustration points, yeah, Chan, Chan and Tua need to continue to develop uh, trust, and, and Chan needs to cater more to Tua Tungavaloa's strengths. Uh, but I do think personnel, available personnel and consistency in personnel was a bigger roadblock to play calling success than anything that Chan Gailey specifically did or did not do. Now, there were times in which Chan Gailey did not help Tua Tungavaloa out by calling a game in the style and at the pace in which Tua is clearly you know, playing at a high level and, and is most comfortable but I think you you look at, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins walk away from their evaluation of the offensive performance this season, and they express more concerns about what the personnel looked like in the running game. You know, they, they averaged .6 yards per carry more than they did last year, and they still managed to average less than four yards per carry on the season. They need to get better in the running game. It got better as the season went on, but they still need to get better in the running game. They need more talent in the backfield. And they need more consistent performances up front. And you have a couple upgrade opportunities. I think left guard is the biggest, most obvious upgrade opportunity in the offensive line. Because we don't know what the finished product's going to look like with Austin Jackson. Robert Hunt looked awesome in the run game. Solomon Kinley, I think, has played good on at both left guard and right guard when he's been on the field. Ted Karras, average starting center. You can make a case for him to be back. I think left guard with Eric Flowers, he's got two years left on his deal now, $10 million per. There's $10 million guaranteed, so that's dead cap that you're talking about, having to navigate, and if that come, if that if if they were to part ways with Eric Flowers this offseason and it came after June 1st, you'd be talking about $5 million dead cap this year and a $5 million dead cap next year. Nothing that's impossible to swallow, but um, yeah, it, it's I think left guard is the most obvious upgrade position on the offensive line. But you need better performances up front, and you need better skill players, and you need skill players that are more catered to what your quarterback does well. So I think if the Dolphins look at all of that, I liked a lot of, from a play design perspective, I liked a lot of what the Dolphins were able to do. Now, I think it was a blend of calling a game in a certain way because we don't have the horses to call it a different kind of way. Um, so I, that's just my perspective of it. I wouldn't be surprised if Chan Gailey stays. And everybody was so ready to break out the fireworks yesterday with this fake ESPN report. Um, so just you know, don't put all your eggs in that basket would be how I would urge Dolphins fans to look at everything pertaining to this team. 
especially Chan Gailey, because he he's kind of become the pinata. Everybody just throws the stones at Chan Gailey's way because somebody has to absorb the blame. But we we all we all know there's layers and nuance, and there's a little bit of blame here and a little bit of blame here, and you know you can disperse the blame in a lot of different directions. And Chan Gailey is certainly responsible for his share of blame for the Dolphins' shortcomings and slow starts and uh, red zone issues. But it's not just Chan Gailey. And knowing Brian Flores, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. Uh, Dolphins' mum on the report. Of course, they, they have no obligation to talk about it because it wasn't a real report. Uh, but this evaluation process for the Dolphins and the coaching staff will probably take place over the next couple days. If you don't hear anything by Friday, then we got to start asking ourselves, okay, you know, we're, we're under the assumption that everybody's coming back. And hey, you know, I'm recording this at, at 10 a.m. On Tuesday, Brian Flores and Chris Greer have their exit interviews for the season at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Brian Flores may get on. You may be listening to this with the news already out that Chan Gailey is returning because Brian Flores may get on the 2 o'clock press conference and say, we're bringing Chan Gailey back next year. Be open to anything. Be receptive to anything. There's pathways to success, and it's all about flexibility. That's going to be the buzzword for me for the Dolphins this offseason. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It is time. Power to the pod. And um, now that we're in the offseason, fittingly enough, uh, iTunes is going to force me into uh, reconciling a new way to get questions for the show submitted because it's showing that there's a bunch of new reviews but when I go to actually read the reviews there's nothing since December 13th so uh, there's no way with all the questions that you guys have and all the reviews that have come in there is no way that we are not getting questions so bear with me I'm going to do some research I'm going to look into and I know that's some feedback that I've gotten from people Anyways, you know, hey, you know, I'm not really big into Twitter or anything like that. And, you know, how else can I leave a question for the show? So I'm going to do my research here and we're going to figure it out together. 
on how you guys can submit more questions for Power to the Pod uh, beyond just iTunes reviews. Uh, please feel free to continue leaving five-star reviews of the show. Uh, but I think we're going to have to branch out a little bit because we've hit this kind of snag. So with that in mind, we're going to shift gears towards Twitter questions. This is how crazy you guys are, okay? I put the tweet out this morning, this morning, at 8.12 a.m., last call for Power to the Pod questions. I have 53 questions, <laughs> it, and, and it's 10 a.m. In less than two hours, you guys put in 53 questions on a Tuesday morning for Locked on Dolphins Power to the Pod which is awesome. So saving as much room as we possibly can to really dig into a lot of the questions that you guys have, because I've seen some really good ones. I will say this before we get started, though. You guys asking like these questions like, who are your favorite prospects for the Dolphins? No, man. That's a whole show. That, that's a whole week's worth of programming. I'm not going to give you that in, in a 30-second answer. You got to hit subscribe on the podcast and follow along all, all offseason to find out what my answers and solutions are for the Miami Dolphins as I work through studying the class. But we'll start with this one. Brian wants to know, how do you feel about Marvin Jones? Can get open down the field and can catch the ball consistently. He's 30 and doesn't need a big long-term contract. I feel like he would make a lot of sense as a good replacement for Jakeen Grant. And Brian, here's what I like what you did with this question, specifically about Marvin Jones. You provided the player on Miami's roster that he would be replacing. So Marvin Jones finished this season in Detroit over 16 games with 76 receptions, 978 yards, and nine touchdowns. Just four seasons ago, in 2017, he averaged 18 yards per catch, 1,100 yards on 61 receptions and nine touchdowns that season. In three of the last four seasons, Marvin Jones has nine receiving touchdowns. I like that production a lot. And I like Marvin Jones as a player. Interestingly enough, though, I'm not sure I buy him as the replacement for Jakeem Grant. And here's why. Yes, Marvin can win down the field. But Marvin's 6'2", 200 pounds. So this is a legitimate boundary receiver. I do not think Jakeem Grant's role within the receiver room is as a legitimate boundary receiver. Just like somebody had asked me uh, another question. I don't have your name off the top of my head. I'll see if I find it as I'm scrolling through. But it asked specifically, you know, you're a huge proponent of 12 personnel for the Dolphins. What is your thoughts on drafting Florida tight end Kyle Pitts to be part of the 12 personnel package for the Dolphins? And here's where I struggle with that one specifically, because you have different types of tight ends that can fit into 12. When the Dolphins want to go heavy and run heavy, the two tight ends they have on the field are Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen. When the Dolphins kind of want to go in the middle, it's Mike Gusecki and one of the two. If you were to go with Kyle Pitts and Mike Gusecki, on the same roster at a tight end position in which you're usually going to only carry three tight ends on the active roster. Those are very redundant skill sets. So I think you, you're getting two players to fill the same role within the tight end room within the 12 personnel package. So if I'm looking for a tight end that's going to boost what Miami does in 12, you ask yourself, okay, is Mike Gusecki an upgradable player? And you 
could probably pick out a handful of tight ends. But if you were forecasting moving forward, I'd argue Mike Isecki is probably somewhere within the top eight tight ends that you'd like to work with moving forward if you were an NFL franchise. Based on his receiving chops and production, he's never going to be an effective blocker, but that's why you have different skill sets within the tight end room, right? Kyle Pitts is a more fluid, more dynamic, more explosive version of Mike. So yes, that's technically an upgrade, but I would argue Mike's not the player that needs to be upgraded. It's the other version, the guy with his hand in the dirt, the guy who's aligning at the traditional Y position. That's the player who I think between Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen, you can get a more versatile player, whether that's um, Penn State's Pat Fryermuth. And, and the more I've watched Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, the more questions I have about his chops as an inline blocker. But I don't particularly think Durham Smythe stands out as a run blocker either. A lot of his split zones and insert blocks uh, don't really have a lot of stickiness to them to begin with. But I would definitely make the case that Fryermuth is a better receiving tight end than what Durham Smythe is. So that's kind of the headspace that I try to get into. And that's what we're going to do this offseason is look at not just the receiver room, but like the subsections within each and what the Dolphins currently have and where they can get better in each of the subsections that are going to play certain kinds of roles. So if you just look at the wide receiver room as an example, you know, you have your big-bodied perimeter guys. It's Devante and Preston. You've got your gadgety guys, which is Limbone Jr., Albert Wilson coming back from the opt-out. You have kind of your non-explosive zone beaters in slot, which is like who I'd classify Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford as. Then you got specialists, special teams players, gadget players like Jakeem Grant with the kick return duties on special teams, predominantly a special teams contributor. Matt Collins, predominantly a special teams contributor because he's a, he's a gunner and he, he covers kicks. So, like, getting into that level of specificity, I think, is, is what teams do a lot of times, and it's what we're going to aspire to do here on the show. Uh, but the, just a couple of draft-related questions specifically pertaining to uh, questions that have been put in this week for Power to the Pod. Andy, Woody, fantastic podcast, Kyle. Thank you. Give me a thumbs up. I want Devontae Smith with Miami's first pick. What's the most profitable way we can do this, including trading down from three and getting extra picks? How far could we potentially drop? This is a great, this is going to be one of the hot button questions for the Dolphins is kind of decoding what the value is of Devontae Smith because he's not like a lot of players from an athletic profile perspective that are, are high picks in, in the NFL draft. The tape is undeniable, and at the end of the day, tape don't lie. This is a phenomenal football player. He's well worth the top half of the first-round pick. But if you look and navigate the class, and you look and see who's available and, and what teams are picking where and what they need, I definitely do think there is an opportunity for the Dolphins to maximize their return on investment at three, if they choose Devontae Smith as the target that they want, by not just throwing their hands up and saying, well, I guess we'll just take him at three. You've got Cincinnati, who would be very much interested. I believe they're picking six. Or they're, they're picking five, excuse me. Cincinnati would absolutely be interested in slamming the door shut on anybody else getting Penny Sewell. 
you will have teams like the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Lions potentially and the San Francisco 49ers that are quarterback desperate and hungry. And you will be guaranteed to have QB3 on the board at least if you're the Miami Dolphins when you come on the clock. The best case scenario for the Dolphins is that the Jets trade their pick to the Cincinnati Bengals to draft Penny Sewell. And now the Dolphins have everybody besides Penny Sewell and Trevor Lawrence on the board when they're on the clock at three. Because if you get a choice between QB2 and QB3 at the number three overall pick, let's freaking go. Because the bidding will get wild. So that's what you have to hope for. Now the question is, how far can you drop and still secure Devonta Smith? And that's not an easy question to answer right now. I think we need a little clarity and see what he runs at the NFL Combine and um, what his weight is. Uh, because for as good as a route runner as he is, sometimes these guys that don't have great functional strength, they get to the NFL level, they play on the boundary. You get out of this Alabama system that you're in, right? And physical long corners that are like cream of the crop can suddenly reroute you a lot easier if you don't have that functional strength to win on the outside. I don't think it's going to be a problem for Devonta Smith, but we need to see what... We need more information. If he comes in and he's 185 and he runs 448, he's going top 10. So you know, you know your best chance to get a deal done is probably Carolina, if Carolina wants to jump up for QB3. But... If he comes in at 175 and he runs 452, you might be able to drop to where San Francisco is picking and still get him. And even if you don't, I think Jalen Waddell, you know, one of those guys will be there. Wide receiver one in 2020 went outside the top 10. Is Henry Ruggs. And then shortly thereafter, you saw uh, Jerry Judy go to the Broncos and then CeeDee Lamb go to the Dallas Cowboys, one pick in front of the Dolphins. That's the game this team is going to have to play all offseason long. And, um, It'll be interesting to monitor for sure. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality online service for the last 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for all of your auto and body parts needs from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Dustin coming in hot with the hard-hitting question that uh, we all want to know. Rank the following three teams by how much you hate them. The Jets, the Patriots, and the Bills. Historically, I hate... Man, this is impossible because the, the Jets are just tiresome, right? 
you know, they, they've always just kind of been like a pain in the butt. They talk a ton. It's New York. The Patriots the last 20 years does not help. And Buffalo, you know, between the recent ownership and the 90s of, of kind of blocking the Marino-era teams of finally breaking through and getting some representation in the Super Bowl, I would probably rank it by, this is recency bias, I know it is, rank it by impact on the Dolphins' franchise success. So the New England Patriots, the last 20 years, they've been smothering the Dolphins. Now, Miami's has had some success against New England in head-to-heads, but like very, they, they stole the, the 2008 division from New England without Tom Brady, thanks to tiebreakers. Uh, but really, that's it. Like It's been New England for 20 years, and it's so tiresome, and those fans are so spoiled, and they don't know. And like, welcome to being just like everybody else, Pats fans. I hope you enjoyed this season, because I have a feeling you're probably going to get a couple more of them along the way. I'll put the, the Patriots at one because of the last 20 years. I'll put the Bills at two, because of their impact on the Dan Marino second half of his career with that that Bills dynasty and the recent ownership. And the Jets, like, they've won some BS games against Miami. But, like, they're not really a, a contender to win anything. And they finished last. And how many times have the Jets finished last in the division in the last 10 years? I legitimately think it's for the past five years the Jets have finished last in the AFC East, and they they really just kind of become yeah here you go, uh, 2016 fourth five and eleven, 2017 fourth five and eleven, 2018 fourth four and twelve, 2019 seven and nine they barely held on to beat out Miami, third place, and then 2020 fourth two and fourteen. They had a ten and six year in there, and then back in 2014 they were four and twelve again and finished last again. So you're talking one, two, three, four, five of the last seven years. The New York Jets are the worst team in the AFC East. Miami's had a fair amount of success against them recently. I hate them historically, and I hate all three of these teams. But like the Jet, they're kind of benign in like the current scheme of things, and that's going to change with Joe Douglas. I think he'll do a good job of building that team up, and they have a lot of draft capital at their, at their um, disposal to take advantage of. But for right now, I just I can't get. I hate the Jets. I just can't get passionate about like, man, I hate the Jets. I can't get there right now because they're so bad. They've been bad for a long time. Uh, Brandon, good question. If we don't draft a quarterback at three, but Tua has a bad 2021 season, does our defense still get us too many wins to be in a position to draft the top QB in 2022? I'm afraid we may be headed for perpetual mediocrity again. It's a reasonable question to ask, and I get why you ask it. And here's what I'm going to say, Brandon. No, the Dolphins, no matter what happens with Tua Tagovailoa, I don't think they're going to be in a position to get locked out of going and getting another guy if they fall in love with somebody if Tua Tagovailoa struggles with durability and injuries or if he does not progress his game over the course of the next season or two because of all the other assets the Dolphins have to build up the rest of their team. You're right. They are going to be a team that's going to be competitive. And even if they don't have an elite quarterback or even if they don't have blossoming quarterback play, this is a team that's going to win football games. How does the, how do you avoid quarterback purgatory? Because I trust this coaching staff in front office to be honest about what they have. And because you have so many other investments around the rest of the team, 
you then get to make the decision at any point to snap your fingers and say, we're going to do that mega deal. Because if we don't, then we're going to put our job security in jeopardy. And if that doesn't work out, then yes, then we have to worry about hitting reset. We set the franchise back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't see why this Dolphins franchise, they swung the bat onto a Tonga Valoa. Let's see how it goes from a statistical perspective. You know, there, there were ups and downs when you watch them on the field, but from a statistical perspective, there's plenty to be optic, optimistic about, about Tua Tagovailoa. And as we said, we've surrounded him with nothing that should resemble what his ideal skill players look like. So if you don't see that growth, Miami's going to have a really good rest of roster that they should feel comfortable with giving up multiple ones and multiple twos to go jump up in the draft order to go get a different guy if they have to go that route. So flexibility. Again, we said it earlier in the show. We said it all day yesterday on Monday. Flexibility is the name of the game. And because of the way the Dolphins are building their entire team, not just the quarterback position, I think they have ample flexibility over the next three, four years to do whatever they need to do to make sure that this roster, including the quarterback position, meets the level of expectations that Brian Flores and Chris Greer are going to have for it to be a championship-caliber football team. That's not guaranteeing that they're going to win a championship. But I think the build and the blueprint is that of what puts you in position to get that job done. Logan, would you rather have a wide receiver with elite speed, size, strength, but subpar route running and okay hands or a player with elite routes and hands with okay speed, size, and strength? Okay, you're framing this question. I like it. I'll put it this way. Um, My top two traits, again, working at at TDN, the Draft Network, and director of scouting there, and I've been been covering the draft at least in a part-time capacity since 2013, the top two traits that I have for wide receivers are route running and hands. So if you're good in those two spaces, the rest is probably, probably going to take care of itself. David, would you consider transitioning Bobby McCain with Brandon Jones? Yes, Bobby is a good, did a good job in setting up the defense, but his tackling has become rather poor. Uh, I think they're very different players. Uh, as far as the safety room goes. And, and Brandon Jones is a little bit more of your big nickel, your third safety, your guy who can drop down into the box and do shallow stuff and, and put that better tackler closer to the line of scrimmage. I think Bobby's value is in that high post safety, that single high safety that's responsible for making sure he's deeper than the deepest and can challenge vertical routes and not let things get behind him for big plays. Think about the Kansas City game. Bobby went out first play after Bobby went out. They took a deep shot 40-something yard post to Tyreek Hill with Clayton Fejlin playing post safety, and they scored a touchdown on it. So, yeah, uh, tackling for free safety play uh, is pretty low on the pecking order because ideally the rest of the players playing in your defense and your run fits and in the shallow zones and, and you know pass defense and, and the underneath stuff are making the tackle before that player gets to Bobby McCain. So I'm perfectly fine with Bobby, and I was one of the the biggest skeptics of Bobby coming into this season over the course of the summertime. I thought his play has really jumped out. The communication, the range that he has on the back end, uh, his leadership role within the team, 
I'm good with Bobby McCain as the, you know, for now answer at free safety. And I'm not coming into this offseason saying, man, the Dolphins really need to hunt up Logan Ryan or sniff out a way to get an upgrade, uh, which was a, a position we found ourselves in at a certain point in last offseason. Let's get a couple more. Uh, Eric, what changed from the swag to ahead in the Arizona game to the last two games of the season? Was it Preston Williams being out, the play calling, the benching, all of the above? I think it was all the above. Uh, I think, and and here's the other thing. Arizona defensively, no, they, they didn't have a lot to work with as far as what Tua Tungvaloa was going to do, what his tendencies were. So I think a big thing for Tua, and it became the book became clear on Tua, is you have to you know muddy the water pre-snap as much as you possibly can to kind of get him to play a little bit more conservative. Once they get the tape on you and the book on you, it's up to you to level up your game. And, and that's where Tua Tungvaloa, in my mind, is. And then, of course, not having... A bunch of your top receiving options help doesn't help. Not having some of your top backs doesn't help. Missing some pieces on the offensive line doesn't help. So I think it was a combination of attrition and teams getting some tape on Tua. And you know, it's you're in such a condensed timeline when you're in a playoff race that like the margin for error is so small that like you the Dolphins wanted to have their cake and eat it too and not really let him work through those things because of the high stakes games that they were playing. Uh, so that, that's kind of where I think you saw a little bit of like the regression and the, the more conservativeness from Tua was as teams kind of saw what some of his tendencies were, the Dolphins really didn't have a great deal of amount of time to kind of coach him up and get him practice reps throughout a week to week basis in the midst of a playoff race to get him to address those issues. This is a good last one. And it comes from Brian Flores, Stan account. You have great taste. If Flores and Grimm in their press conference today don't completely denounce the idea that they may take another quarterback at three, I believe it's because they are holding leverage so that a team with a QB need will send a better offer of picks. What do you think about this situation? I'm telling you right now, at some points throughout this process, the Dolphins are going to love Justin Fields, and the Dolphins are going to love Zach Wilson. I'm telling you right now, think about the entire smokescreen season, everything we went through last draft cycle. Chris Greer is probably giggling like a schoolgirl, thinking about, oh my God, I have the number three pick to play smokescreen season with, and there's three really prominent quarterback options for teams to, to go after, and one of them's guaranteed to be on the board. You saw what he did last year offensive tackle and then a trade up for quarterback or trading out or Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or Tua Tungvaloa or trading up for Joe Burrow. The Dolphins are a million percent going to be playing games throughout the course of the next three, four months. So strap in. Don't ride the roller coaster of emotions. Open yourself to every possibility that you hear. And then that way, when the Dolphins make their decision, there will be some context and some understandings, and then we can go back and look over all of the other lies told throughout the course of the draft season. And we could say, aha, 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 that makes sense. Of course they did that. Of course they were trying to sell this, and this was the agenda that they were trying to push, and this is the team that they were trying to coax. We're playing, we're, we're in the end game now. We're playing chess, right? So draft season, Chris Greer did a wonderful job of this last year. Why would you come out and say, I mean, they will come out and probably give a vote of confidence for Tua Tagovailoa, but they'll probably say something along the lines of, we're going to evaluate every position on the roster and try to determine ways to get better 
for 2021. And it'll be something totally vague, and it'll be something that is noncommittal, and they'd be doing themselves an injustice to come out, because even if you did that, even if you said there's a 0% chance we're drafting to a, a quarterback with a number three overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals did this two years ago with Kyler Murray, and they still picked Kyler Murray. Nobody's going to believe you anyway. So come up with it, whatever diplomatic framing of we are going to promote competition at every single position on our roster. We're going to evaluate every single position on our roster and explore ways to make every single position on the roster better. That's it. That's what I would expect the Dolphins to say. Because you're doing yourself a disservice regardless of what your actual plan is at every position, not just at quarterback. Because I do think it's a very low possibility that the Dolphins entertain anything. They'll evaluate these quarterbacks because there's a chance they're going to be on the board for them. But I'm fairly confident that they're going to stay committed to Tua Tungvaloa, and I would advocate for them to not push the eject button on Tua Tungvaloa at this point. But they'd be doing themselves a disservice to do anything but play the game that they played last year that they played so freaking well. Another power to the pod in the books. Hope you guys enjoyed. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. We're going to continue our evaluation of the Dolphins' 2020 season from a coaching perspective, offensive perspective, defensive perspective over the course of the next couple of days. So plenty to look forward to. Hit subscribe on that podcast. Come back, see me again tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hope you have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.